Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Off Axis Podcast, where we talk entertainment, acrobatics, business, entrepreneurship, fitness, and more. Thank you guys for tuning in. If you guys want to support, please share with your friends. Now, let's jump into the podcast. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another podcast. Today, I have Stacy Stardust in the house, famous magician and owner of the Secret Circus in Las Vegas. How are you doing today, Stacy? I'm great. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited for you to be here. I've watched your show grow from when you first started it to where it has become now, and now you have a new show. So can you kind of give us a background on where did Stacy come from, <laughs> and how did you get here? Um, yeah, basically... Talk a little uh, closer to the mic. Yeah, so basically I grew up in Tucson, Arizona, where there wasn't a lot to do. So then I moved to the big city uh, Phoenix, got bored there, moved to Los Angeles. Um, then I got bored there and I moved to New York City. And New York City at age 25, I got into hula hooping. I was never able to hula hoop as a kid. And I was kind of at a point in my life where I was a little depressed. I needed a hobby. I needed something to be passionate about. And I also needed something physical. I was starting to gain weight and get depressed. And so there was something called Class Pass. In New York, it's basically a membership that you sign up for and you can try out different physical activities, different gyms, and they had a hula hoop class there. So I tried it out and after the first class, I was able to hula hoop for the first time in my life. I'm like, what? I was so excited. But it wasn't just a regular hula hoop class. They had all of these tricks and stuff. It was like a circus, um, a whole other art form. You see people at like festivals doing all these crazy hoop moves. And so I took the class regularly, and that was kind of the first time in my life where I was really dedicated to one art form or just had persistence, passion, and I became kind of obsessed and got really good at hula hooping. Then, you know, I was just, when I first started, I was looking for community, and I had went to one hula hoop meetup, and I thought it was so cool. I met all these other hula hoopers, and I was new, so they taught me tricks, and we became quick friends and I'm like, okay, if I want to gain friends, gain community and get good really fast, you know, there was just one meetup and it ended. I'm like, I need this to be a regular thing. And so I took it upon myself to start hosting a hula hoop meetup in Washington Square Park in New York. And it was such a great experience. I met so many new friends, learned so many new tricks And it started to grow so big that I had to move it from Washington Square Park to Central Park. Um, But being in Washington Square Park, New York has so much art, so much culture, so many people. There was actually a circus meetup in Washington Square Park. It was all the people from UNLV and they were teaching you how to juggle. So it's like, do you want to learn how to juggle? I'm like, hell yeah. (laughs) And so they taught me how to juggle. And I'm like, wow. And in another time, I was in Washington Square Park, and there were, it was called, it's like partner acrobatics, it's called acro yoga, but there were just, you know, groups of two doing these crazy acrobatic moves, like handstands and pops and flies and all sorts of crazy stuff. And one time after my hula hoop meetup in Washington Square Park, somebody came up to me and was like, hey, do you want to fly? I'm like, do you want to what? But I'd kind of seen what they were doing. I'm like, all right, let's try it. And it was the most fun, wild experience. He popped me up into a handstand and like did backflips off his feet and all sorts of crazy stuff. And I'm like, what is this acro yoga? 
So I kind of learned, you know, hula hooping, then juggling, then acro yoga. And I extended once I got to Washington Square Park to just a circus meetup myself. So I would teach people how to do partner acrobatics and how to juggle and how to hula hoop. And it was crazy because living in New York, you have so many flights of stairs on the subway system and, you know, walking down to the train and to the next train and all the way across the park. And I had, you know, like 40 different hula hoops on me. I had my giant speaker and so and in another bag with like juggling balls and clubs and all this stuff. So here I am like just bringing everything and teaching everything. And it was all just for passion. I didn't ask for donations or anything like that. But I would just set up my speaker and be the DJ and just play with people. And people taught me stuff. I taught them stuff. And I just I loved the community. Uh, And then I came to Vegas on vacation one time and I just fell in love with the city. So basically, as a hula hooper, I reached out to my favorite hula hooper in Vegas. Her name's Michelle Bell. I said, hey, do you have any shows? I'm on vacation in Vegas. I want to check you out. She's like, I don't have any shows, but I'm teaching a workshop. And it was during this festival called Life is Beautiful. But she didn't really market the, uh, the workshop. And so I was the only one who showed up. So it ended up being a private lesson in Las Vegas with my favorite Hooper. And it was just such a, such a cool experience. She was so welcoming. She was like, what do you want to learn? But after that, she asked me, you know, oh, I'm uh, performing at a mansion party after. Do you want to come? I'm like, oh, yeah. And so I go to this mansion party with her. And they had just legalized marijuana. So it was for this thing called uh, Weed TV. And at the time, they were kind of casting models and hosts and stuff like that. And before she performed, she asked me, like, do you want a fire hoop? Yeah. And I, I had my fire hoop with me. And so I, I did some fire hooping and then she did. And in my head, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm the opening act for Michelle Bell at a mansion party in Las Vegas, Nevada. What is my life right now? And I, I just had this moment of like, I want to make it as a hooper. I want to make it as a performer. I want to come to Vegas. You know, the, what is it called? What do they call it? The, um, anyways, the big lights, the bright lights. Yeah. I'm like, I want to come here to Las Vegas and make it as a performer. So six months later, I packed up everything I owned and drove cross country to Las Vegas. Um, and then when I got here, there wasn't really a community of flow artists. And so I'm like, all right, I'm going to create a community. You're just creating communities everywhere you go. <laughs> I love it's it. It's a recurring yeah. theme in your life. Absolutely. Yeah. After my experience in New York and just loving everybody there, you know, I moved here. I didn't know anybody. And so I started a circus meetup here and it was once a week. It was right at Sunset Park and I met so many new friends and it was just it it's what bring me joy and makes me happy and um but then after a while um I broke my leg roller skating and so at that time you know I couldn't host the meetups anymore and I couldn't go to any other meetups and I was just kind of stuck at home and as you can tell I'm very high energy fidgety uh type of person can't tell so me sitting at home not being able to walk or move or drive or anything i'm like i need something to do yeah and being in the circus arts community i had friends who were magicians 
And so I reached out to one of them and said, hey, will you come over to my house? Will you teach me some card tricks? My leg's broken. And they were so sweet and receptive and um, just supportive of me wanting to learn magic. And so he taught me a couple of card tricks and I started to practice uh, with my roommates. And so I started to get a little bit of confidence. I'm like, all right. Then I took it out to the streets of Fremont, so downtown Las Vegas, and started just practicing for strangers and started to get kind of good. And then the pandemic happened. And I'm like, all right, well, I guess I got a two-month head start of being stuck at home. And so I was already in the flow of it. And I just continued to practice and get really good and, you know, do street performing and all of that. And then it just got to the point where I'm like, all right, I'm making, you know, money. I'm good at this. I want to go full time as a magician. And so I just started marketing myself as a close up magician and just started booking gigs and things started growing. And somebody had reached out to me who saw me on Fremont Street. So as soon as my legs started to heal, I actually went out to Fremont Street with a leg cast on and was hula hooping with one leg. And I had a little sign that said, uh, will hoop for foot or for food. Will hoop for food. Uh, or no foot. It was said, will hoop, <laughs> will, will hoop for foot. And so um, basically, I got a lot more tips because people were sympathetic and, you know, a lot of people have broken something before and have empathy. So that went really well. But somebody had started following me on Instagram from that and they saw my progression from hooping to magic and they were trying to start a little um, a little show in town, just a weekly thing. And it was mostly comedy people. And so he's like, do you want to headline my comedy show and do magic? And in my head, I'm like, you know, I don't have experience on stage. I don't know. What do I do? And I just said, yes. I'm like, oh, yeah, absolutely. And then I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> what am I going to do? And so um, I figured it out. And uh, I got an assistant. And I had a friend who let me borrow one of his big stage illusions and once a week I got, you know, it was basically like flight time, a place to be bad, a place to get good. And what was cool about it was it was just this very, very ghetto nightclub and they didn't market it well at all. And so there was usually never really anybody in the audience. It was mostly just the other comedians watching me and the other comedians, which was cool because when I first started, you know, I wasn't great. And so it was just a place, it's kind of like an open mic for me in a sense. Um, I mean, I wouldn't do anything that I would think that it would really mess up at, but I was just new to performing in general. And so once a week I got to practice, I got to get good. And then after doing that for a while, uh, it just got to the point where, you know, my close-up gigs, I was making so much more money. And um, then this opportunity came upon me um, with the artifice. So Artifice is a bar in the Arts District where Secret Circus was until recently. So basically, the owner of Artifice reached out to me. Uh, they had just bought the Artifice um, a f maybe like five months beforehand, and they wanted to bring performers, and they wanted to have variety, but they didn't, you know, producing a show is a lot of freaking work, and, you know, you have to know people, and you have to all of that. And so I'm like, you know what? I have an idea. Because I had the circus meetup, uh, I knew a lot of people in the community, and networking is one of my bigger skills as well. I love meeting people and networking. 
And so I said, well, you know, I don't have a full show, but what if I have kind of an open mic for local artists? And it gave me stage time. I had never produced before. I had never hosted before. Um, But just knowing people in the community and, you know, I, I am good at improv and figuring things out. And so... I told him, like, look, I, I have a show idea. And he's like, that sounds amazing. When can you put this show together? I said, give me a month. And so we put it on the calendar. I reached out to all of my friends and just thought of routines that I could do. And that's kind of uh, where we are today uh, with Secret Circus. That's crazy. That's quite the evolution. Can you go over all of the skills that you said you can do? Because you know quite a bit. And <laughs> I like the collection because I think when people master one skill, they're kind of like they're good at something, but it's hard to like book them if they only do one thing. But Mm -hmm. you having so many skills makes it really easy to book you and you can like upsell and upsell on so many different things. You could be like, I could do magic and then I could do hula hoop and then you could essentially do all of it. So can you go over that list again? It was like (laughs) hula hooping. Yes. Magic. Yes. Uh, Acro. Um, I don't market myself as that. That's more of um, a fun thing. Um, But I also do, I have a polar skating routine. So it's pole dancing with roller skates on. Polar skating. That's so fun. (laughs) And then I also do fire eating. So not just basic fire eating, but what's called nowadays as pyromancy. So instead of just eating, you know, doing fire transfers, lighting, a torch with a flame going across my arm and lighting the other torch on fire and breathing fire out my mouth and doing candles and vapor tricks and all sorts of things, fire bubbles, um, so fire performing. I do juggle, but juggling is, I just do, you know, three balls or three clubs, so it's something that I like to add into my other art forms. But yeah, the main things are hula hooping, fire eating, and magic, but I also host perform produce yeah um yeah i guess that's kind of how you turn you got your own show because you have so many different skills and you that's a good way of producing a show is kind of knowing a little bit of everything too so can you tell us about the secret circus like what is the show exactly and like how has it changed since you started yeah so it originally started at the artifice in the arts district but secret circus is a two-hour long production so i host it And then basically there's an audition form if you go to Secret Circus Vegas on our Instagram. So performers will put in an application and it's basically an opportunity for people who are already performers, but they want to try out something new or they just want to get a good video of their act or they want to bring producers to watch their act. So it's basically, it's kind of like it, we mark, I market it as an open stage, but I usually put the cast together about two weeks ahead of time so I can market it and also promote all the performers and give them uh, promotion that way. But basically, um, yeah, it's, uh, you expect anything and everything. So we'll have maybe like an opera singer and then a hand balancer. Uh, it's also very risque underground uh, gets a little spicy, so it's not nothing full nude, but there's definitely a little racy stuff in there, some pasties. So it's definitely a late night show, which is also cool because there's not a lot of shows or things in Vegas, you know, with private gigs and stuff, where artists can be fully creative. They're not limited. It doesn't have to be conservative. It doesn't have to, you know, you're allowed to talk about 
religion or politics or whatever. You're just fully able to be free in your art. And I think that's so important because art is very healing and it's also inspiring. And so when artists aren't limited by what they can do, it's just this flow of them and their element and people in the audience seeing stuff maybe they've never seen before and getting inspired. So it's just very raw, open stage. And yeah, that's basically what the show is. So what's the difference between that show and this new show? I haven't seen the new show yet. Yeah, so my new show, it's currently called Circus Spectacular, but the name might change. It will change. Um, So that show is at the Ahern Hotel. So the Ahern Hotel is right off of Las Vegas Boulevard. So it's basically right off the Strip. And that is a brand new showroom. So, you know, it's a full theater with real curtains and it's like a cabaret setting. There's a view of the strip out the window. It has a whole wraparound bar. Yeah, it's very elegant, beautiful, beautiful space. And that one is where you're going to see all of my main acts. So Secret Circus is basically a community show where performers try out new acts. And my other show, Circus Spectacular, is mostly my show and mostly Legia. So Legia Way is another performer in the show. It's basically, I mean, it's basically like 40 her, 40 me, and then 10 another act and then 10 another act. So her and I are actually working on a duo show. So this is kind of like the step towards our duo show. But unlike Secret Circus, this is the same show every month. So you've got me doing magic, mentalism. We do a big grand stage illusion together. We actually do a duo fire eating act together. So our duo act, um, we transfer fire from each other. We have the big fire bubbles. So this is one of the only fire shows in Las Vegas. So you won't see fire at Secret Circus. Secret Circus is a community show and in Circus Spectacular is my main show. So I don't have just a solo show yet. So this is a step towards my solo show. But yeah, it's super wild. Uh, Legia is also a juggler. She's a contortionist. She does escape acts. And she does a lot of comedy. So it is still a circus-based show, but you're going to see people doing their main acts. So it's, it's a real show versus a community trying out new stuff underground raw show. That's awesome. I like the new show. That seems really cool. I like uh you should call it Stardust Circus. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I like that it's a it's a I like the direction that it's going in and I think it's going to be something really big one day too because it's pretty unique. No one else is really doing any of this kind of stuff and that's where you can really stand out, especially saying that you guys are like one of the I've have, I don't think I've seen any other fire shows now that right. you say that. So you guys kind of have like your own category too. So I think it's going to do really well. What would you say is the hardest part about running your own show? I would say the hardest part is, um, well, my show specifically, since they aren't just my show, especially with Secret Circus, where it's a different production every single month. So I do everything. And when I say everything, it means I put the cast together. I get all the music together. I put the set list together. I make all the flyers, all the marketing material. I do all the promoting. I host, I am the stage manager, I um, basically I do everything except the audio, the lighting, and I have one stage hand. So the hardest part is 
having to rely on so many different performers. Um, you know, you never know if somebody's going to cancel last minute. Also, because it is such a raw show, you know, I don't get to see the full act ahead of time. I definitely vet people as much as I can and make sure that they are actual performers. They have some sort of standing. Uh, see, I look at some of their videos, but you still never know. And so, you know, sometimes things might offend somebody, which to be fair, that's not necessarily the point of my show, but it's art, it's racy. And, you know, if you don't, I try to make sure that people know that it's racy. Um, but it's not a show that you want to bring your grandma to. It's not a show you want to bring, you know, your manager to. It's very racy show. You want to bring your friends to or, you know, your girlfriend, boyfriend. But it is a wild show. So sometimes people could get offended. Um, so, yeah, basically just kind of micromanaging so much. It's like I need to be here and there and there. I'm just running so many jobs that most people would hire out for like I don't have a social media marketing manager I don't have uh an assistant a manager um not yet any correct correct so yeah basically the hardest part is keeping everything organized and time management and then just um PR like calming like making sure everybody's happy you know and when there's so many artists you know some people have egos and some people are a little crazy so just dealing with that many people and the turnover and just creating a new show every single month and keeping up with it yeah so you do a lot of like one-on-one magic right um do you enjoy that doing like doing the one-on-one stuff more uh i mean i do close-up usually when i i don't do it just for one person it's definitely a lot more fun when it's a group but uh, yeah, close-up magic is my main thing. Like strolling around mm-hmm. a party or something like that. Right, yeah. Do you book that pretty often? Yeah, yeah, especially this time of year. This is the busy season, so um, just in these past four days, I've had almost two gigs a day. Just a lot of happy hours after conventions, like corporate parties. I also do trade shows. Uh, I do lots of bachelor parties and you know, I do adult birthday parties and stuff like that. I don't do kids magic. It's not something I enjoy. Um, so I choose not to do that. Um, but yeah, close-up magic's my favorite. It's so intimate. It's so in your face. Like on stage, I love doing the grand stage illusions and stuff like that. And I also think it's really cool that I'm doing them in such small venues that are so intimate. But with magic, for it to feel magical, it's just so much powerful when something happens in your hand or that close um yeah it's definitely my favorite yeah i i love magic i've always been obsessed with it and just i like my favorite is when i'm seeing people like do it right in front of me and i'm like all right there's no way they're gonna do that and then then they're like all right your card is over here and like lift up a water bottle or something there's a card over there i love that stuff a lot um have you had any like crazy moments that kind of stand out where you just feel like this was like such a good moment, like doing one-on-one magic with people all the time? Um, I mean, cause the reactions are crazy. Like I, right. I know I act a fool when someone like just <laughs> blows my mind up. What? Absolutely. My favorite are bachelor parties or anything where there's drinking like trade mm. shows are cool, 
but people are usually exhausted. It's a long day. They're walking around. They're tired. They have huge bags. Um, but when people at the end of the night, they're done working, they've had a couple of drinks, they're loose. It's just a lot more fun energy from everybody. Their guard is down. They're like, show me magic. Um, but yeah, like the last trade show gig I did, the guy who hired me was just like, yeah, like he was just so excited to see other people excited. But one of my favorite gigs, honestly, was my first paid gig I ever did. It was a bachelor party and it was for, I want to say there's about eight dudes, but they were all just, I don't know if they're all football players or what, but they were all like over six foot tall, like these big jacked black guys. And they just ate it up. Like their reactions, you know, they ran out of the room. They were screaming. <laughs> they were just like losing it. Um, they were teasing each other like, bro, come on, come on. So that was some of the most intense, wild energy that I, I got to experience. And the fact that it was my first paid gig, I'm like, I want to do this forever. Yeah. Is there any like venues that you've like always wanted to go to and you cross them off? Or is there any places that you really would like to go to? Um, so I just recently um, talked to the hiring director for the Magic Castle. So he's just waiting on me to submit a video. So that's in the works um also pen and teller fool us that's another thing that's in the works um same thing with america's got talent britain's got talent those are all kind of on the more recent i'm gonna do like soon soon um those are all venues that i really want to perform at yeah you think you'll do agt this year possibly yeah we were thinking um, about doing it too Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I did it a lot, like tw in 2012. Ah. We were like semi-finalists, like way back in the day. It was a cool experience, but I want to do it again with off-axis. But I think for you, it could be really good, especially if you can like make it to where they start like announcing your name and stuff. It can be yeah. like life-changing, especially if you have your ducks in a row. Mm -hmm. Like all the places, like if you have like, I would recommend getting like an agents and stuff first. Because if you don't have that kind of stuff and then like you get all this promotion and stuff from a big company, but you don't have like the the structure to like put it put it out into the world, then you won't get as much from it. But I think right. it could be really good for you at this point in your career. For sure. Yeah. AGT reached out to me last year because they really, really, really wanted a female magician. And in this past year, Anna de Guzman got second runner up and she's the first female to ever get that far. I thought for sure she was going to win. And in my head, she I'm a like, magician? yeah, oh, OK. So in my head, I'm like, Anna's going to win. There's no point. Um, but since she got runner up, I'm like, hmm, maybe I could be the first female to win. So now I'm kind of like a little bit more excited to do it. Wait, there's never been a female to win AGT? Correct. So she got runner-up. Female magician. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So let's switch gears a little bit. You've been working out quite a bit lately. <laughs> was there any, like, re like, have you always gotten super into fitness, or is this, like, a new thing? Um, I go in phases, for sure. I've usually – I've had a personal trainer for on and off for maybe, like – Hmm, when did I live in California? Maybe like 10. Well, I didn't have one in New York, no. Um, I mean, I, 
I've always been athletic. Like, I always love climbing stuff and running around and hula hooping. Uh, when I turned 25, kind of got me into fitness that way. And I have an extremely strong core because of hula hooping. But more, I would say, my, my newest trainer that I train with, I started training with her a little over two years ago. And uh, it's just, I love it now. I never used to be consistent. And for the longest time, I would only train twice a week just with her. And then I took like a three-month break. I was traveling uh, across the country or to other countries and all of that for three months. And I just ate whatever I wanted and stopped working out and gained fat, lost muscle. And I just recently came back um, after three months of not training. And now I'm hitting it harder than I've ever have. Um, I just... I love feeling strong. So I, I mentioned partner acrobatics. So that like hula hooping partner acrobatics, I got into that about the same time, but I never was professional. I never trained it. So more recently, yeah, I've been training the gym five days a week, but like I said, five days a week is very new for me. Uh, I started training with my trainer again, maybe two months ago and I just changed my diet today. So what's your diet now? Um, so basically it's salmon, tuna, eggs, egg whites, uh, low fat cottage cheese, and you know, just a bunch of vegetables and fruit. Um, but I'm taking creatine twice a day and you're trying to put on mass. Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. This is the most muscle mass that I've ever had. Um, so now I'm trying to just get more of a lean diet at this point. Because the muscle's there. It's just a little layer of fat. And so working on that right now. Yeah. How long yeah. have you been like trying to add muscle? So I started training in my trainer two years ago. But I didn't – I wasn't seeing quite the results I wanted. And I was vegan for 10 years of my life. And my trainer is like, you know, you got you to gotta add protein. You got to – and obviously there is protein in vegan diets and there's a way to get enough protein but with my lifestyle to be able to cook that much and get the right everything and it's it's also a lot of like beans and a lot of grains and those cause a lot of inflammation and there's a a lot to digest on the system and then some of the other proteins are like wheat gluten which isn't great for you and soy like tofu isn't great for you Mm. i mean they're, they're good in moderation but to be eating that, you know, every day trying to pack on enough protein, it's just not the healthiest. And the reason I was vegan wasn't for the health reasons, it was for the animals. But now it's gotten to the point where, you know, I need to do what's healthiest for me. And so I changed over about a year ago to pescatarian. And so now I eat eggs and fish and I've noticed a big difference in my gains since I started adding that into my diet. So, yeah, I guess about a year ago I went more serious. And, you know, changing your diet is a huge lifestyle change, especially from somebody who's vegan uh, after 10 years switching their diet over. So, yeah, about a year ago I just made the decision, you know, my health is number one. I'm going to do as much as I can for the animals, but I need to be eating fish and I need to be eating eggs and I need to – 
focus on that to be able to get the gains that I want. Yeah. I have tried just about every single diet out there. I did vegan when I was like 26 or so. And my body was just like shut down. It just didn't work for me. And I had like a Garden of Life sponsorship and everything. So I'm getting like all the best proteins and all my nutrients and everything. And it's still just, I just remember my joints were just like literally just giving out. It was during show season. I just could not do it. But then I've tried like, I I would say the best overall that I've done, it would be just a straight up paleo diet. Just Mm -hmm. no bullshit, no like bread, none of that stuff. I recently did the carnivore diet. That was interesting. I liked it. I lost 10 pounds, but I'm going to get back on a normal diet now. Um, so like, what are you, what are some goals that you're working on now? Yeah. So my goal is for Legia and I to have our duo show. So we were just in Edinburgh, Scotland in <coughs> August So there's something called a Fringe Festival. It's the whole month of August. Performers from all over the world come. There's street performers during the day. And then throughout the day and the evening, there's stage shows. So every almost every single little place opens up for the performers. So restaurants will put a little corner in the back for performers. And all the bars will have a stage and all of that. So there's hundreds and hundreds of shows there. And so I performed... I did street during the day. I did, you know, one, two, three street performances during the day. And then in the evening, I had a lot of friends who had variety shows. So I did like a 10-minute set in their show. And so for the street performing, I made tips. And then I was just doing it, you know, for free basically to try out. I've never performed in front of a British audience before. So that was very new to me, just kind of figuring out what humor they like, what um how they liked me and my how did my humor go and all of that and so next year her and I are going to have our own show show um just a duo show I believe it's going to be called uh, Sin City Sisters and so that's the next goal so that would be in August of next year and then I just recently moved my show Secret Circus from Artifice to the Jackpot Bar and Grill I don't know if that's a permanent change or not, but that is uh, a big step uh, with my show. It unfortunately, it's no longer in the Arch District, but the new venue has a lot to offer that the other venue didn't have. It has actual stage lighting. It has more seats. It has a food menu. Um, it's five minutes from my house. They have yeah. a, a giant marquee to advertise out front and... Um, and they're just able to exert, not exert, but just spend more time and help marketing. And so that's a big step, a big change. Um, but yeah, my fitness goals too. Um, I just started taking it a lot more seriously. Um, basically since I got back from, um, Scotland and I started training again after three months off, cause with those three months off, it was just like. I don't know. It's just kind of an eye opener of how much I love feeling strong. And um, yeah, there's just something so powerful about actually being strong. You just walk different. You just have a different, you have more energy, you have more drive, you have, you sleep better at night. And so there's just a lot of positives going there. So, you know, bring my fat percentage down. That's my goal right now. Um, and so yeah doing the duo show i eventually want to have my solo show as well and i want to go on tour 
So next summer, um, I want to go drive maybe to New York and hit a bunch of stops on the way there. And then on the way back, hit a bunch of different stops, just a bunch of major cities. So yeah, going on tour and traveling and doing my show outside of Vegas is a big goal for me right now. Yeah, I totally agree about the fitness stuff. Like I've always worked out like first thing in the morning since I was 18 years old. Wow. And just like walking around with all your muscles like functioning and like just being aware <laughs> just gives you like a this extra confidence to go throughout the day. And I just feel like it's such a good foundation to build on. Like most people don't work out every day. And I'm just right. like, it, it's such a bummer because you feel so good. And people think like, oh, I'm going to be so tired after work out. And I feel like awake after I work out. I don't feel like exhausted anymore. Once you get through that hump of like the first two weeks, it kind of sucks. And then like, it's all like smooth sailing from there. Absolutely. Yeah. What are some places that you like what's your favorite place you've performed mm. one of my favorites was <coughs> last summer i performed at chicago magic lounge so it's this speakeasy and when you go in it looks like a laundromat so there's washers and dryers but they're all running you can see you know they're actual working machines but it's kind of small and you look around and if you look really really closely in between one of the washers and dryers is a little doorknob and you open it up and it opens into this beautiful space Whoa. it's very like That's swanky cool. luxurious it's like velvet everywhere there's and their drinks are really good too <laughs> but there's like a bar and then there's a magician at the bar and then you can also get tickets to see the stage show and basically while you're sitting waiting for the stage show magicians come to your table and do close-up so you get close-up and you get stage, and there's another room in the back, too, where there's a parlor magician. So parlor is basically in between a big stage and close-up. So it's kind of like a mini stage. And so it's just such a beautiful venue. So when I was there last summer, I did close-up at the tables before the magic show. So, But people there, you know, they're people who love magic. So, you know, when I do other venues, a lot of times people won't even know there's a magician. So I have to kind of break the ice and not everybody likes magic. So, you know, sometimes. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> not everyone likes magic. Some people hate magic. Why? Well, I think the thing is some people don't like not knowing how stuff's done. It makes them feel stupid. Oh, they must be and stupid, though. Who knows? But they hate it. So sometimes, yeah, I'll go up to a table and I'll be like, yeah, yeah you want to see some magic? And they're like, no, I hate magic. Oh. <laughs> I've never thought that that kind of person existed. Yeah. It's like a racist, but for like magic, <laughs> like what? This I didn't know this was a thing, but I can see some people just being so stubborn that mm -hmm. they just hate magic. Absolutely. That's that's wild. But Chicago Magic Lounge, it's all piece of people who love magic. So you go up to their table and they're already excited and ready. And it's just this energy that you don't get everywhere. So that was my favorite uh, venue that I've done so far. Yeah. What are uh, have you been to like the speakeasies in Las Vegas? Uh, I've been to the Mob Museum, which is really cool. Mob Museum? I don't think I've even oh heard of that gosh, one. Oh my gosh, I love the Mob Museum. Like the museum itself is badass. And then downstairs, yeah, there's a speakeasy. And there's 
basically a little sliding thing where the guy looks at like with his eyes and he's like, what's the passcode? Oh, I love that. And they so, have yeah. that at the barbershop too. Oh, cool. So I was actually almost went there two nights ago and I have friends who work there. So that is definitely on my list is the, the barbershop. barbershop. Yeah. It's like probably my favorite. Oh, cool. Okay. That I like speakeasies and like exploring mm-hmm. speakeasies in different yeah. cities and stuff. Wherever I go, I try to like go to a new speakeasy. So I'm like a big fanatic of that stuff. But the barbershop and Mas Por Favor, they're like yeah. super good. Cool. Mas Por Favor is not too far from your house too. It's up on oh, cool. Spring Mountain. Nice, I nice. believe. Yeah, it's like hidden behind a, a really like shitty Mexican restaurant. You go back there and it's just like there's like flowers on the walls and all kinds of stuff. It's like super nice. Oh, cool. Yeah, barbershop's super cool too. I could see you performing at barbershop too. Yeah, that'd be dope. I've been to Ghost Donkey, which is fun. Ghost Donkey. It's What's in the Cosmopolitan, so it's on the, I believe, the second floor where the food court is. Wait. So if you oh, go, I think I went there. Okay, yeah. yeah. If you go to the back of the food court, there's just a door that has an emergency exit yes. bar and a picture of a, a donkey. Yeah, I went to that one very recently. It was just, oh, cool. like, so small and packed, though. Like, yeah. Barbershop is huge, and, like, right. Mas Porfavor is pretty huge oh, as cool. well. Okay. And, like, Barbershop has, like, concerts and stuff right. back there, and it's like, yeah, well, this is back dope. here. But I love the, like... The barber's like, what are you walking in for? Like, you want a haircut or something? <laughs> and you just feel awkward, like, I'm here for the bar that's in the back, you know? I love it. Yeah, I love the characters and stuff that they play. What's it like being a female magician? Because mm. there's not too many of you, right? No, no. There's definitely been a lot more in the past couple of years than there has ever been. So it's growing for sure. Um. I mean, there's a lot of pros and cons. Um, I think the fun part is I don't usually like to tell people I'm a magician. They're like, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, I'm a show producer, you know, or whatever. And then I'll just like bust something out and they'll be like, wait, what did you just do? I'm like, well, who are you? Because <laughs> um, I think real magic happens in surprise. Real magic happens when you don't know what to, to anticipate, what's about to happen next, and it just happens, and you're like, WTF? Like, my reality just got flipped upside down. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is male-dominated. There are, you know, sometimes I get guys who are jealous that they're like, oh, the only reason why you're so far in your career is because you're a pretty female. And um, But it is also a benefit, you know, because it is a rarity, a specialty. Um, yeah. I mean, I can't imagine that they're booking bachelor parties <laughs> they are they are um but it, you know it's more fun with a female i would think um but th- th- they're also um i have to deal with jealous people too because when i approach a group you know if it's a guy and a girl sometimes girls will get jealous that i'm performing you know so it's finding that way to make everyone comfortable so like if i'm performing for a guy and a girl I usually perform for the girl and I'll make it appear in her hand and I'll make her feel special. Um, but yeah, like when I first started in magic, when I went down to Fremont street, you know, I'm like, pick a card, any card. And like, you can just see, like there was this girl who just wanted to mess me up. She like almost dropped all the cards out of my hand, trying to like get one deep into the middle. And I'm like, it's a free choice. Like choose whatever card you want, but she wanted to like make sure she got me or whatever. But, I mean, guys do that, too. Um, those are usually guys that hate magic. They just either try to mess you up or don't pay attention. Um, but, yeah, being a female in magic, I think, is really powerful and really cool and really special. 
Um, but, you know, there still is some sexism with the older generation. It's usually older white males. And, you know, in their head, a woman's place is as an assistant. And so they don't like seeing females. It kind of bothers them and they feel like it's their territory. And so sometimes they're very rude or not helpful. But then there's the opposite. Sometimes people are like, oh, cool, a female. Let me let me help teach you. Let me make sure you're doing good magic. And But also because there are very few females, the bar is kind of low. So there are a lot of females who are just bad at magic. But guys, you know, who want to get in their pants will be like, oh, that's so good. Oh, that's so great. And so they'll keep doing bad magic. And it, you know, makes the rest of us look bad. And it's not necessarily their fault because... You know, people are just like, oh, that's so good. Oh, my gosh. But really, they just, you know, want to bang them. So, so yeah, there are. But to be fair, there's a lot of just bad magicians in general. Like, most magicians, I think, are terrible. There's a lot of great ones. Don't get me wrong. But with females, I feel like the ratio with bad magicians to good magicians is even higher. So. Yeah. Well. I appreciate you coming on. I see a lot of brightness in your future. I think what you got going is going to really explode and it's just going to be one of those things where it's kind of like an overnight success. Mm-hmm. And I give you the best wishes and I think it's going to be awesome pretty soon. Amazing. Thanks yeah. for having me. Thanks for coming on and thank you guys for watching. If you guys enjoyed this video, make sure you subscribe. Where can everyone find you at? Is it Stacy Stardust on everything? Yeah, so it's S-T-A-C-E-Y, Stacy Stardust, and then my show is Secret Circus Vegas. Awesome. Thank you. We'll see you guys later. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye. That concludes this episode of the Off Axis Podcast. If you guys found value in this, please consider sharing with your friends. Also, subscribe, and we'll see you guys in the next episode. Bye, everyone.